This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie. This week on the podcast, we're talking with beatmaker and cult YouTube favourite Jar Jar Jr. ahead of his appearance at Cutting Heads Collective's third birthday party this Sunday at the Vickerstown Bar. Imagination has funny head makes a cloudy day sunny makes a think of you just as I just wanna lay here and smoke my cig and drink my wine. I think I wanna lay here until my hurting's done. I just wanna lay here and smoke my cig and drink my wine. I think I wanna lay here until my hurting's done. Confío fácilmente en la gente y por eso ya no tengo nada más. Soy cansada y mis huesos se sienten viejos Creerme ya no tengo nada porque todo te lo dejo Y yo así pasando Y con mis dudas fumo más sigo cantando Como que sé que otra vez te sol va a subir Pero no quiero ver mañana si es sin ti I just wanna lay here Smoke my sick, drink my wine Should have never let you in, huh? I should have never let you in. I should have never let you in. I should have never let you in, huh? I should have never let you in. 
Cause now I'm sitting here crying like a fool And all the world has seen my pain You know I love you all the same I hope in time my heart will change Cause now I'm sitting here crying like a I just wanna lay here Smoke my cig and drink my wine and think Gonna lay here Until my hurting's done I just wanna lay here Smoke my cig and drink my wine and think Gonna lay here Until my hurting's done The artist formerly known as Blues, Jazz Fiend with Honey and Big Pig with Perdita. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie as well as iTunes, Google Podcasts and other podcasting platforms. My name is Mike McGrath-Brien and for the next hour or so we're chatting with an unlikely hero for the Cork hip-hop scene, beat maker, producer and YouTube fave, Robert O'Halloran, a.k.a. Jar Jar Jr. Rob, how's it going, by? It's going good, Mike, how are you? Grand now, you've got a busy few days ahead of you preparing and practicing for day two of the two-day Cutting Heads Collective birthday weekender at the Poor Relation on the Saturday and freeing at the Vickerstown Bar, kicking off at about four o'clock-ish on Sunday of this week. What are your thoughts heading into it, just the whole weekend in and of itself? Uh, I'm absolutely delighted to be asked again by Justin and um, massive lineup, and I know that there's going to be a big crowd there, so I'm just looking to pull out all the stops and just give him a good performance for this. We'll talk a little bit further about Cutting Heads Collective and what's in store across the weekend a little bit later on. Let's start from the start. You're working specifically with sampling and, you know, your music could be readily identified as lo-fi hip-hop, for lack of a better term mm-hmm. now. Obviously, that whole wave has come and gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lo-fi study beats, yes. chill wave to game two, 24-hour stream and all of this. Yes. And... You know, that's a nice little niche to settle into. As we'll discuss separately a little later on, you're also kind of branching into original productions. But before we get to any of that, what was the musical upbringing that informed your use of jazz and sampling? Were you kind of raised in a jazz house? Was it something that you kind of happened across accidentally? Kind of bring us into how you happened across, you know, your breadth of knowledge regarding music. My father's kind of into opera and classical music. And my mother thinks most music is noise. So, oh dear, I'm not precisely <laughs> sure where it came from. Um, I think I inherited a Kanye West CD in primary school from a friend of mine, and that kind of altered my trajectory for good. Um, I also received Dr. Dre's 2001 off a cousin or something. I think that also kind of just planted the seed in my mind. Um, but it took a long while before I really kind of moved into making my own music, but that was my first taste of hip-hop. I've spoken to a couple of people from the Irish hip-hop scene, and specifically the Cork hip-hop scene. 2001 appearing somewhere, whether it's a CDR or someone dubbing off tapes for you, you know, for, for a quid a pop in primary school, etc., always seems to turn up, and it's one of these things where 
you know, receiving the sacred text of the genre mm. uh, is something that's kind of universal to the experience, whether that's, you know, getting a crappy tape off somebody up the road or finding it in a Spotify playlist, etc., and being influenced. Once you kind of have an understanding of what you want from hip-hop, obviously, Dre, hugely influential producer, Kanye, you know, a modern-day risk-taker in mm. the increasingly safe world yes. of, you know, mainstream hip-hop. Kind of, what inspired you to want to take up beat-making and... How did you kind of go about it in the first place? Yeah, so like another notable character comes into play then when when we talk about me kind of starting to make my own beats. I think I was standing on a beach somewhere in West Cork, possibly. That's always a good sign. listening to a Gangstar CD on my CD Walkman. But yeah, I had a Gangstar CD and I was listening to, I think, Work or something by DJ Premier. And it just occurred to me that it wasn't an instrument playing or it wasn't a band or it wasn't a keyboard player or something it was like it was something new and I was intrigued I was saying how is this sound being created and I kind of started to look into DJ Premier and Gangster and that's kind of what birthed my interest in sampling stuff then just kind of how you can create something kind of unnatural you can't get it out of a guitar you can't get it out of a keyboard yeah it comes from taking a full song and speeding it up 150% kind of thing. How did you find the process of kind of adjusting to kind of lining up all the different elements of what goes into a beat? I think I got a doll by some means other than purchasing it. Oh, you rented it legally? Yeah, I rented it from Extra Vision. And um, I just started messing with... I tried to recreate songs that I knew. Like, I think I tried to recreate some DJ Premier beats. And Oof. yeah, yeah, it was a t- it was a big like mountain to climb to begin with. Yeah, um, I think I like started taking Scooby Doo soundtracks and stuff, and Flintstones and all these kind of things, and just another common theme in indie hip hop. Yeah, I just started making loads of absolutely appalling songs on a banged up computer, and like showing them to friends, putting them on CDs, playing them in the car, and people just being like, "What is this? Turn that off!" Like throwing <laughs> throwing the CD out the window and stuff. Boom. Yeah. Um, there's a CD gone into the Atlantic Ocean there somewhere along the Atlantic Way. Ah, lads. A friend of mine rolled down the window and fired the CD out the window and we were driving home from Dingle or something one evening. Are any of them surviving? They're surviving. Are they accessible anywhere online? They're very accessible. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, Cork has always had a very strong hip-hop scene. Very small, but very strong. Uh, over the years, you know, our own Stevie G has kind of been holding it down mm-hmm. for you know, different forms and different styles of hip-hop. Likewise, you've had Just Me, who's been DJing for 20 or so years. Did you start to maybe look at what the local scene was like for hip-hop and decide, you know, maybe this might not be the place? Um, no, I actually didn't. It was purely just out of ignorance. I didn't really... I never really thought to just look outside and see what was going on around me. It was just purely, I want to make music, I'm going to make music, I'm going to put it up, it's up, it's there, and... It's only recently, um, with the Kojak gig in yeah. Correlation, that I met Justin and Ross, the Cutting Heads lads. And then with the Sunday Times thing, I met Colm Gay and the Sunday Times crew. So it's not that I didn't really see myself being a part of it, it's just that I never really knew it existed because I wasn't looking. We'll talk a little bit about the gulf between online numbers and mm. how it's all doing and your involvement in the scene when we come back from some tunes you've put together a playlist for us early on we heard from a stablemate of yours uh, in Jazz Fiend as well as Big Pig but coming up 
Speaking of Column K, you got a single Water Heights. It was a massive kind of privilege to be contacted by Column K. Um, I remember he sent me a message on SoundCloud first. And how seldom do you re- even get SoundCloud messages anymore? I get so many SoundCloud messages, but most of them are just like, hey, listen to my beat tape, listen to this instrumental I made, please repost it and stuff. So it was kind of refreshing to have just someone from Cork that I actually wasn't aware of at the time, just purely being down to being ignorant about what was going on around me. And when I got the, he asked me would I perform for the birthday on the rooftop of the Bowery, and I was like, well, that sounds unbelievable. And then I went and started digging into who he was and like what he was doing, and I was like, oh, shit, like this is this is a big deal. He's a rich legacy of yeah. And just to be asked like was a massive kind of honor to me, and uh, pity that it was so early on in my lining or my list of gigs. We also have a man without whom. This show would not really have a separate identity. Uh, Gaptooth, formerly known as Nostalgic, with Slide Through Like Old Times, taken from his Motorola beat tape, from which literally all of the bed music of this podcast that you've been listening to for the last year or so, and if you'd like to find it and listen to it in its entirety, you can find it on Gaptooth's SoundCloud. You've been working closely with Adam, a.k.a. Nostalgic, a.k.a. Gaptooth, for the past while. Uh, as part of your arrangement with Softboy Records up in Dublin. Maybe take us through what you've seen of his creative process and how he's kind of come along in the last year or so. Yeah, um, Adam was probably one of the first like buddies that I made music-wise, like purely through SoundCloud. It all started, he had an interview lined up with a guy called Kalen, who does like music journalism in UCC. He's Coffee, kind of, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, been, he's, he's lined up for this show at some stage. Yeah, sound lad. But he, um, he was in an interview with Adam and I kind of said to Adam, oh, can I tag along and went we met up in the Brogue I think and I just rambled on for like an hour or so and just completely destroyed the whole interview <laughs> I think I think um, but yeah then further uh, down the line myself and Adam I actually went to Adam's house and we made we tried to make music together but the two of us ended up kind of doing nothing and yeah met up with him then in Blues which is my first time meeting Blues another SoundCloud affiliate kind of thing yeah or Jazz Fiend as he's now known and um yeah, just watching Adam chop up samples and stuff was kind of highly inspiring and we were kind of all sitting there waiting and then the next thing we said, let's just go away and we'll come back and let Adam do his thing. When we came back, there was just something amazing playing and that's what became Teflo, which is one of the songs that myself and Adam and Chaz Fien have done together. It's on SoundCloud, yeah. Because it's been like unfairly slept on, the record has. Well, when you look at how Softboy has progressed in the last while. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like that was like Motorola's low key one of the strongest things that's happened on that label yeah and it, but I think it kind of came out just before the whole thing popped for them mm. um, yeah it's, it's a fantastic fantastic body work and it's something that you kind of find yourself listening to in its entirety oh yeah without even knowing that you're after listening to the whole thing you're like oh yeah just it's gone it comes together so beautifully yeah. and the man knows how to use the side chain. Indeed. We'll get straight into it. So this is Column K with Water Heights here on Red on Red.
got a number. Gaptooth, the former nostalgic, was slide through like old times, taken from his Motorola beat tape here on Red on Red. Still joined in studio by Robert Halloran, a.k.a. Jar Jar Jr. And before the jump, we were talking a little bit about how Jar Jar Jr. came to be and, you know, initial expositions into beat making and what have you. A couple of years ago, lo-fi hip-hop, kind of really ultra-simple boom-bap jazz sample hip-hop, um, blows up from out of nowhere um, obviously it's not from out of nowhere there's a couple of different factors kind of involved you know obviously after Vaporwave after C-Punk etc it's a more accessible way into ambient music and not avant-garde but weird electronics and right as this comes to the hilt you start releasing stuff on SoundCloud mm. and it didn't take very long for you to be noticed by different content channels on YouTube it didn't like in the hip-hop tradition of making cartoon videos for yeah for hip-hop tracks, for example. Some of the stuff he did with Duma Capellas was taken up immediately by YouTube, but kind of before we talk a little bit about that, maybe talk about the initial reaction to stuff that you'd uploaded on SoundCloud. I mean, it's very stock to say SoundCloud rapper, SoundCloud beat maker, etc. But that's really where you kind of earned your name before the mm. rest of the big numbers kind of came along. What was your initial kind of foray into SoundCloud hip-hop culture like for you? I think it went from DJ Premier to Dilla. But that kind of happened via Joey Badass. And Joey Badass put out a mixtape called 1999. And that kind of put me on to MF Doom and Dilla. I kind of ended up on SoundCloud and I was started off as a listener. Like instead of actually, I wasn't making anything, I was just browsing and just listening to music. Yeah. And um, I got called BSDU. Was kind of, as far as I'm concerned, he's like, he's the guy that f- fully like... Kanye West and Dr. Dre and DJ Premier kind of like were setting me up and then I found him and I was kind of like hmm I want to do this whatever it is so then I started and it actually did it took quite a while for it to kick off like you were saying that it kind of happened immediately it didn't it, there was a, a long time where it was just like 30 followers it was always more under the iceberg yeah and then one night I remember I made a song called Treasure Maps and I stayed up till like 3 o'clock in the morning mixing it and finally I was like okay I think it's done I'm exhausted I'm going to go to bed before I break down and start crying so went up to bed put in my headphones listened to it like once before I went to bed fell asleep with the headphones on 
woke up the next morning and I remember seeing it had a thousand plays. I still had like nothing going on. Yeah. I was getting like a few plays a week kind of thing. Yeah. I remember I just woke up and said, geez, like a thousand is a lot in one night. Because the Doom connection is how I took note of you at first, how a lot of people would, mm. which is unfortunate, obviously. Right. Um, Treasure Maps, mm. uh, which is available on YouTube for streaming. We won't be playing it uh, over the course of this podcast owing to the copyrights involved with using MF Doom Acapellas. Yes. Um, but it is readily accessible. And, you know, Doom has such a distinct voice. He has such standing in hip-hop history and is such a figure of authenticity in terms of delivery in terms of the authority with which he delivers but also with the humour that he's able to put points across with his wide range of pop culture reference points even going as far as doing a concept album on uh, adult swim shows um, maybe outline the importance of Doom Acapellas to the development of your beat work because they kind of develop separately mm. but by that same token for example now you you released Fallen Angel earlier this year and we'll talk about that later yeah. and it came out in two mixes one with a whole set of Doom Acapellas and then as an instrumental album where mm-hmm. copyright would be an issue Yes, um, maybe talk a little bit about how using acapellas from these legendary rappers like mm-hmm. MF Doom you used Nas uh, in another one maybe talk about how you know they interact with your work is the beat done before you start thinking of throwing vocals on it and speeding them up or slowing them down it's actually I'm glad you brought it up because it's actually something that I always wonder about because now that I've made a lot of remixes I'm kind of starting to wonder myself is it my music or is it the vocals that I'm putting on it or is it the mesh of the two and I'm kind of starting to wanting to draw back slightly from making remixes and just see can I do the same numbers or thing with purely music rather than relying on other people's vocals but or even local vocals to answer your question what normally happens is I find a song that kind of triggers something in me and I say, hmm, I think I heard something. And then I load that up and I slow it down and speed it up and see, blah, blah, blah. And we'll usually hear like something that I think might loop. And sometimes it might loop easily. Sometimes you might have to stitch pieces from all around the song together. Mm. But at that point then, once I kind of get the sample or the loop piece together, um, I'll just lay it down like really statically, like click it in, one, two, three, four, or 16 yeah. or whatever. And then do drums. And yeah. then once the drums are done... Because when you hear the sample playing, even if it's kind of very rigid, it kind of inspires in your head the kind of drum groove that you want to have. So basically what I do is I lay out the sample like very rigidly, listen to it, play drums along with it. Then once they're done, I'll delete the sample chops and play the sample chops again. Yeah. Now it kind of synced up with the drum groove. And then at that point, I kind of usually, I'm trying to mix things, I'm trying to get snares and stuff absolutely cracking partially because I think I'm gone half deaf from snares um, so they sound good to me but they could be absolutely piercing other people's ears I don't know um, but in doing that when I'm mixing and whatnot, I kind of start like mumbling the words to songs that I know that success with Treasure Maps hits right as lo-fi blows up as an internet subculture thing as we were discussing yeah. can I maybe talk a little bit about kind of the aftermath of the amount of plays that that picked up because Treasure Maps again a thousand in its first hour that obviously picked up steam to where heads on YouTube were beginning to pick up what you were doing with lo-fi hip-hop and retaking old acapellas and making their own videos to it Mm. and this is where you break through as a cult sensation for lack of a better term like the video for Treasure Maps for example um, which was cut together from old bits of the Fantastic Four Hanna-Barbera cartoon 
um, kind of found a niche between people that love that old school hip hop fan video making and then the lo-fi hip hop thing. What were your thoughts on this video kind of turning up from seemingly out of nowhere and delivering another couple of thousand views initially and now into the hundreds of thousands? I was delighted, like particularly because the the guy who actually pieced together that first video, he's a guy called Swagger Like Us. Yeah. Bit of a legend. Um, shout out. Shout out Swagger Like Us. He's been doing it for years. Like So when we say that like, lo-fi kind of popped recently... I, I won't say recently, but no, as in, no. But I know what you mean. Like this, yeah. the twenty-four hour streams and all this kind of stuff is mm. very recent. But before that, I think there was like a little undercurrent of like these kind of people, yeah, like him, like God's Connect, like these channels that were just stitching together videos from whatever, and just like you make the music, and then they say, "Yeah, I love this. I'm gonna complement this with something that I'm gonna make." Anything. Then that gets followed up with a fan video for your track "Ambitions," which samples Nas and features visuals from Akira, the film that broke anime in the West. And obviously that then captures a lot of attention because this whole thing is becoming the crest of a wave online. And the numbers behind this video to this day are mind-blowing for something that just came from the ether or so than anything else. Can I maybe talk to us a little bit about how you felt about that happening, everything that followed up from there? The whole like period of time where I made ambitions is kind of like, it's very like clear in my mind. I remember... One of my favourite beats ever is Thought You Was Nice by Jay Dilla for Fife Dog. And I've always wanted to find like a guitar sample like something of that calibre. And I just, every time I find something, it's just like, oh, this person's on it, that person's on it, whatever. It's like, I'm never, never going to find something untouched that's this good kind of thing. Mm. And I remember finding that and like hearing the first chord and then like hearing the second and then hearing the whole thing. And I was just, oh my I couldn't believe it kind of thing um, and then that song came together like like very very quickly like in an afternoon it was done and then that video went up and I remember initially I was looking at it and like I hated the sort of typeface at the very beginning like of the, course the, but that was vaporwave yeah. that was aesthetic well, I've kind of grown to like it over the year or the year the years I don't know has it been years yet well, two is a multiple of years okay yeah the years um, I don't know it's mad I don't really get it a lot of doors have opened for you since in terms of production and in terms of working with people online. Have those numbers kind of appealed to anybody in the industry? Have you received any offers in terms of like production or placement or labels? Not really anything formal. I did have a kind of a terrifying experience with um, Ugly God where he got onto me on SoundCloud or something or Twitter and apparently he's like a massive lo-fi enthusiast. And he wanted to schedule a FaceTime with me, which I kind of lost my mind over, like not in a good way, kind of in a bad way. I started like freaking out um, because I was like, how do I speak to this man? Like, I'm not, I'm from Cork. Like, how, <laughs> how is this going to translate? Like, um, all I had seen was videos of him with like lizards on his nose and stuff. I was like, I don't really know anything about this. Per- like, I don't know anything about his music. Don't know anything about him. Just basically lost the plot. Um... And I remember we started speaking and the first thing he said to me was, oh, you've got an accent. And I was just like... <laughs> and anyway... Oh, the Irish thing. Did that factor into the conversation? Yeah, definitely. Oh, no, you know. No, the I Irish didn't. Accent. No, I was saying the Irish thing of like self-deprecation was oh, factoring right. into my own mindset. Yeah. But um, he wanted a beat for his album that's coming out now, Bumps and Bruises. But I emailed him asking him what the story was with the money. It's a bit mad that people come by your way off mm. the back of just like a couple of videos just going yeah. mad tunes that I'm making in my garage yeah 
it so is. That's, that's the whole thing. Like ambitions is on two million views. You know, other things are on anywhere from a hundred thousand views to one and a half million views, um, and that's insane for somebody that's just making stuff in their garage and the right moment came along and the right people and you know a lot of people in Cork City didn't even know who you were they just saw Jar Jar Jr SoundCloud Cork Ireland you know again having not turned up on any live bills or anything and all of a sudden registering these numbers a lot of people were scratching their heads and wondering what the crack was kind of what are your thoughts on the gulf between all this mad stuff that was happening to you online and maybe witnessing the, the development or redevelopment of Cork's hip-hop scene in the last couple of years? So, like, I think to begin with, um, I never really even thought about the scene in Cork or I never thought about myself outside of my house or I never thought about my music translating to, like, a live audience or anything like that. It was purely just, I'm very interested in making beats. I don't know how to make beats. I'm going to make beats and I'm going to put the beats online. And it kind of just went from there to being where it is now. And it's only now that I'm kind of thinking about the scene and getting out and actually trying to communicate like the music in some sort of way that's interesting and upbeat enough for a live audience. I think, yeah, I don't know. I'm delighted that um, Cutting Heads and all these things are happening. It seems like a really good time to be poking my head out of the darkness. We'll talk a little bit further about you and not only Softboy Records, the Cutting Heads Collective when we come back for some more tunes you've got Alex Goff uh, of Houseu Records with Afraid of Money banger of a tune that we had on only last week kind of what do you make of what Houseu are doing together and yeah. just general like collectives in general because I started with the Cutting Heads and now it's Houseu yeah. Teletext and all this um, soft buy yeah I'm actually I'm very interested in what they're doing to be honest like I remember I met Matthew Corrigan at an exhibition in CIT like the visual communication and multimedia exhibition or something. I was just standing in the corridor reading someone's project description yeah. and someone just turned up out, out of the blue behind me and was like, Jar Jar. I turned around. It was my first time ever being like... Referred to as Jar Yeah, in, in real life. <laughs> yeah. in, in, and I was just like, what the hell's going on? Turned around and I started speaking to him. Ended up talking to Jack Harrigan that, later that evening. Mm. Ended up talking to Automatic Blue... Drew Linhan, that's his real name, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Yeah, and Alex Goff, they seem like, I don't know if I've met most of them at this point. Have I? There's always going to be more coming from yeah, the woodwork but anyway. Like, so. As far as people go, they all seem to be gentlemanly folk. Um, Emer Kylie mm. is a very good friend of my girlfriend's, and she's doing an exhibition uh, this Friday night, and I'm doing music there in Alchemy. In Alchemy on Barrack Street, is it? Alchemy on Barrack at Street. At what time? Uh, 7 o'clock maybe, 8 o'clock. And how much in? I think it's free. Bang. Get Plug. in. Plug. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know who... I've listened to some of Drew Lennon's music. I've listened to some of Ghost King is Dead's music. Listened to Alex Gaff. I remember seeing Alex at like every single gig that I did. So thanks for that. And Support, baby. Yeah. That's where it comes from. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I kind of started digging into their stuff today. I'm not sure. But yeah. It's I'm, all so easy to get a hold of though because that website is so yeah. easy to use. And it's unreal. It's just unreal that a bunch of lads are actually like putting something together in car. Yeah. Create, the infrastructure is always going to come from the community. Yep. That's just bottom line. Yep. You also have Boy Regan with Cash Rules. Can't say I'm familiar, unfortunately. I ended up messaging him a lot on SoundCloud around the time that I was making stuff for Kojak's thing. Yeah. Daily Daydreams. 
and he was like a real big fan on SoundCloud or whatever and I was just I remember just knowing his avatar mm. and one day I ended up messaging him and I sent him uh, Bobby's Cream after the the support that I did for Kojak then in the poor relation whenever that was January or something um, came down off the stage and this guy was just there and he was like Bobby you don't know me but uh, I'm your biggest fan I'm from Bandon and I was like what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck is going on and his name was Ben and didn't really know Ben at that stage met him again at Longitude or something yeah um, then realised that himself and Blues Jazz Fiend were buddies and just started hanging around with him and he's a lovely lad and makes good tunes the story of Boy Regan unreal well we'll get straight into it so this is Alex Goff we're afraid of money here on Red on Red
up on the crime side, the New York Times side. Staying alive was no job, had second hands. Moms bounced on old man, so then we moved to Shallon Land. A young youth, you're rocking the go to. No goose, only way I begin to G.O. was drunk loot. And let's start like this, son, falling with this one and that one, pulling out gas for fun. But it was just a dream for the team who was a fiend. Started smoking moves at 16. Running up in gates and doing hits for high stakes, making my way on fire escapes. No question, I was speed for cracks and weed. The combination made my eyes bleed. No question, I will flow off and try to get the door. Sticking up right, boys on four courts. My life got no better. Same damn low sweater. Times is rough and tough like leather. Figured out I went the wrong route. So I got with a sit tight click and went all out. Catching keys from cross seas, rolling in LPVs every week. We made 40 G's. Yo, brothers, respect mine. I ain't gonna take none. Regan with Cash Rules here on Red on Red still joined in studio by Chef Booby Howells aka Jar Jar Jr and before the jump we were talking about just these numbers that you were getting online and the whole kind of second life that you had received as an artist through channels like Swagger Like Us uh, as well as you know the SoundCloud lo-fi boom that later transmuted into YouTube Gamer Boy lo-fi but off the back of all of this you become associated with Softboy Records up in Dublin, for whom, you know, the classical lo-fi aesthetic was an important part 
of creative development from the outset. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's evolved a whole bunch more. Maybe talk a little bit about how Softboy Records came your way and what it's been like to work with Kojak on Delhi Daydreams, which has been like one of the biggest selling independent albums of the year in Ireland, much less a very influential one, um, as well as other projects that you've undertaken. That thing happened like incredibly naturally. Um, I think I found the video for Midnight Flower by Kojak. An incredible piece of filmmaking. Yeah, it kind of messed me up a small bit. Like, I think I watched Requiem for a Dream and saw that video like way too close together. And I started. I'd say so. Yeah, things were tough there for a small while. Um, Jesus. I was a bit kind of like, I was wondering what does it all mean? But um, that happened and I just messaged him, I think, maybe, and just said, like, what the f- hell's going on here? Like, this is amazing kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, at the same time I was trying to make a beat tape um, so I had like six songs in a playlist on SoundCloud mm. and I sent them to him uh, I think there was Cream Loot Stacks Cream became Bobby's Cream yeah um, there was one that I made actually the night of my uncle's funeral um, I came home and I was kind of feeling a bit down and I was like let me just channel this into something now there is a story yeah it's I actually like, quite nice it's it's mad how we have coping mechanisms for things mm. that happen and how they transmute themselves into something outside of ourselves. Yeah. Like, how did how, how did you proceed with that? I don't know. I, grief is something else. Man. Yeah. I think I make most of my best stuff when I'm feeling sad. Yeah. Um, or when, I sh- when I'm really, really, like, should be focusing on something else and when I'm really stressed out. I yeah. end up, like, pushing it all into, like, a good song. Um, I don't know, I came home, I just still had the suit on and everything, and um, I was just thinking about Misty by Errol Garner, Yeah. and I just loaded it up and flipped it, and that was it, that's what I call it, good night wherever you are, kind of sad, kind of somber, but um, that was there, and there was Cream, and there was one other one I think called Reformulating His Equations, which was like my follow-up to Dilla's E equals MC squared, Yeah. Um, that became Politics's, the... Good night wherever you are became Love and Braggado show and Bobby's or Cream became Bobby's Cream. So yeah, basically I sent him a playlist and he wrote to three of the five I think that were there. Because politics is particularly like Delhi Daydreams is an accomplishment of a record. Mm. Like Kojak is so able to convey yeah. with the slight nod and the wink to both Irish and American pop cultures. Yeah the inevitability of certain conditions of existence, of heartbreak, mm-hmm. of frustration, of anger. Yeah. And the fact that this comes across so naturally as Kojak, while also being you know readily identifiable yeah. as yourself, what do you like to work with? A very, very impressive individual. Like, he's a genius. And that I don't know, that sounds a bit cringe, but, like, he's, like... All I know is there was a few times where we were talking to one another and I was kind of like, I thought I was right. I was like, what is he talking about? And then a few messages later and you kind of check what he said and you say, oh shit, like he was damn right and I was dead wrong. Yeah. And but yeah, like the way that came together was incredible. And white noise. Like I remember I showed Bobby Scream to uh, like my mother and she was like, I previously I'd done a thing with a guy called Looms from England and she um, she was like, that's disgusting. That's despicable. You should be ashamed of yourself kind of thing. <laughs> showed her Bobby's cream and she was like that's gorgeous and then I showed her white noise and she was like this is actually very powerful and I was kind of like jeez you can appeal to my mother 
like you're doing something and like that's not saying that my mother is an aficionado of music but like if you can break through like the barriers of people that aren't willing to listen yeah and still like get their affirmation then I think you're doing something special and what he did was very special and I got my copy of Delhi Daydreams in the post there the other day from Hull City hey and Plugged had it for ages did they I was kind of just holding out I was like surely <laughs> with the central the yeah. central sticker on the front it's unreal genius I was just sitting in my room like in the room where I made those songs and just looking at the record on the wall and I was like hmm it's weird but before you settle down to start making uh, you know beats that you produce yourself and kind of de-emphasize sampling de-emphasize acapellas this year you released Fallen Angel which was a full beat tape of stuff made in honour of MF Doom for his birthday this year and again as we mentioned earlier it was released in two mixes one with uh, acapellas from MF Doom's trove of fantastic witticisms and then the other as a strictly instrumental deal on Spotify and all of the major uh, streaming services maybe talk to us a little bit about its release how it's been received and just kind of maybe how it stands as a follow-up from those big popping numbers online mm. into an album or a formal record format. Like, yeah. So I've been trying to make an actual full body of work rather than just putting out weekly songs on SoundCloud yeah. for a long time. Um, and no matter how long I had, it was never enough. But what happened with Fallen Angel was, I think I just kind of about reached a formula for how I was going to do things and I kind of had quick ways of getting everything to sound the way I wanted and I made like those beats in a kind of a quick burst and I was planning on sitting on it for too long like I probably would have sat in it for months after I dropped it Yeah. and um, Chaz Fien, who I might just call Dave from now on because it's easier um, he said you know tomorrow is MF Doom's birthday oh. and I was like oh <laughs> and then I just manically went and tried to like mix like as in things are ready to go but like I would have sat in it for another month easy and because I was looking for a date to put it out like an an intelligent date to put it out on and then he yeah. said tomorrow's his birthday and I said well that's probably the date if there is going to be a date to put it out so was there a marathon mixing session there was a marathon mixing session and even more impressively there was um, marathon creation of the artwork that happened that evening I texted my girlfriend she was in work and I said story any chance of um, you doing that artwork for that album I was talking about she was like, and to look at it now like. <laughs> she was like for when I was like uh, tomorrow so and she just pulls that Doctor Strange love thing out of nowhere then no what actually happened was I I had been watching movies to try and kind of come up with some sort of a, a theme for the whole thing yeah and just to find like vocal snippets and whatnot to like stitch it all together in the way that MF Doom does in his own kind of productions. Um and the thing about the Doomsday device and Doctor Strange's love, I was like, this is it, like and um towards the end it very much kind of veers into Doctor Strange Love stuff. Mm. And um I the colour scheme of the album cover is like keeping with Operation Doomsday like the purple and the green and the red that's what struck me about it visually yeah and then the image itself is Doom as Captain Kong or yes yeah yeah it's Doom as him on top of the nuke so yeah. yeah she literally did that in like three hours non-stop I just sat there and watched it I was like holy shit it's always mad to watch Photoshop projects in mm. you know it was actually uh, happening on, on an iPad it was mad Jesus like it's always meant to see because like, you see them in like in um, 
in, in, in sped up mm-hmm. on YouTube and it was always nice to see like the cursor running and yeah. seeing this thing kind of evolve in front of you. It was something. Um, the whole thing came together and you know obviously while it was a clever day to drop it on music press just by the nature of getting things past editors maybe pick it up the day later mm. which is kind of contrary to the whole job really. Yeah for sure. Um, we put up an Isle of Nine where it did really well among people that had been looking for kind of more examples of what they had been hearing online yes. which is a the, 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 the double edged sword really of, mm-hmm. of of that success how did you feel about how it was received I kind of had tricked myself into thinking that I was going to have to do some tax evasion like I was like <laughs> I was looking at the numbers on SoundCloud and this kind of feeds into the whole bridging that gap between yeah. online and real world shenanigans Yeah, I was kind of looking at the SoundCloud numbers and I was saying well if this is what's happening on SoundCloud when I put it up on Bandcamp, obviously, X number of people are going to buy it. And I was like, if I'm selling it for seven euro, then it's going to be at least 40 grand. Sales, baby. And then, like, it just happened. And I was like, geez, people are lousy. People are stingy out. Because when they're getting it for free on SoundCloud. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, a point that I always make regarding the changes in the music industry in the last 20 years, where people that are maybe grappling with the death of the old model don't see, is, you know, when you make a product out of music the way that the major labels did after the the death of the grunge boom where they focused solely on boy-girl bands. Mm. When you commodify something and turn it into a product and someone turns around and makes it available for free, well, of course, people are going to vote for their feed because you turn it into a product instead of something people will invest in. And you can't relate with the actual figures that are making it. It just feels like a machine. Exactly. So you find yourself unable... Like, if you're not going to invest emotionally... With the exception of maybe, you know, a casual music fan that kind of goes where the people are, mm. you know, they're not going to invest in it financially. And that's what happened mm-hmm. um, to a certain extent. The Deregulation uh, of Communications Act in 1996 allowed for a whole bunch of mergers of radio stations and TV in America to where once, you know, a radio plugger had to talk to a hundred different people to get a, a, a song played. Yeah. Now it was just one person for a hundred different shows yeah. at Clear Channel all bought runs up. down the... Yeah. So, of course, it monopolizes it and, mm-hmm. of course, it turns it into yeah. something else entirely. So, like, that's a reaction um, to that whole mindset, really. Mm. So, like, obviously, people are used to grabbing it for free, etc. Mm-hmm. Have you looked at maybe physical editions of stuff or maybe, you know, even a Patreon account where people can get, you know, new stuff hot off the griddle to quote mm. Doom? I really wanted to do a physical for my debut. Yeah. Um... But since I put it out and since the time has passed and since I'm trying to kind of progress myself yeah. as a musician instead of a producer, yeah, um, I kind of feel like it might be more sincere to do my first physical release as my first kind of solo endeavour. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that as well as uh, upcoming live activity. But first, we're going to go back to some more tunes. Earlier on, we heard from Jasphine at the top of the show and we're hearing from him again. The tune of his called Afternoon Bift. Uh, recent thing there from Dave and struck me as quite a good song. So I said, you know what, let me play it for you guys on Red on Red. You also have another second appearance on this episode of the show with Column K with 6400. Indeed. Yeah, just mad rhythms. Uh, just trying to big up the boys for Sunday evening. We'll get straight into it. So because you are going to hear from these lads over the course of the weekend. Jazz Fiend with Afternoon Bift here on Red on Red.
Colm K with 6400 here on Red on Red. Just before we wrap up for this episode of Red on Red this weekend, the Cutting Heads Collective, as we've been talking about, have their third birthday party happening on Saturday and Sunday. Poor relation and the Vickers Town Bar. Let's take a quick quip through the lineups for both of those days, shall we? Michelle. It's cool. On the Saturday, November 10th, kicking off at 6 o'clock, a major marathon of Irish and European hip-hop. Uh, Naive Ted, Hazy Hayes from Same Difference, Gavin Da Vinci, Danny Depot, a rare live appearance in Cork for Danny Depot, Ophelia, Clockwork coming in from Germany, Touchy Subject coming in from the UK, Night One at the Poor Relation on Saturday, 12 Bobs in the Door, hosted by the man, the myth, the legend, Donrell's own Ray Wingnut. What are your thoughts on the lineup for Night One? Is jam packed. I don't. I only came across um, Hazy Hayes, Gavin Da Vinci, and those lads today. Actually, same D. Savage. Yes, I was kind of doing my research in the old Irish hip hop scene. And Naive Ted. Yeah. Mankey, the lads. It's just the whole unseen limericks. Yeah, I just said. I just said. I've seen. The, I've seen the album covers. I've seen. I'm surprised you haven't like, maybe taken more kind of influence from Naive Ted in that obviously Ted is off in that other mad direction mm-hmm. but there's still a kind of low fidelity to it yeah I don't know I'm kind of sheltered it's actually good because sometimes I find myself when I try and make something I accident I think I'm doing my own thing yeah then when it's done I'm like oh sure this is just that other song that I've listened to a thousand times and I've just reproduced it so hey. I'm kind of afraid to listen to too much Ah, then I'll taint myself Night 2 will be over at the Vickerstown Bar kicking off relatively early as it always does the 4 to 11 slot that uh, has been doing the Vickerstown in good stead uh, over the past number of years where yourself and Jasphine alongside Cutting Heads residents like Just Me like Ross and other commandeers of the wheels of mechanized steel and of course that whole set is being headlined by Colm K who we've heard over the course of the weekend you outline the importance to you of these kind of big gatherings these Mm. big kind of get-togethers of the Cork music scene in terms of focusing minds in terms of like reinforcing that community spirit so like initially my whole thing was trying to rise up out of the kind of ocean of SoundCloud producers yeah and I was like how am I going to establish myself from this like pit of people that are all doing the same thing yeah and now that that's done I'm like seeking to get the kind of what's the word the respect of the local scene and just people from here that I think you already have a lot of people's respect like maybe possibly I don't know see I don't know because I don't I'm not tapped into what's going on so yeah. like I just want to I just want to dial into what's going on yeah. and just do stuff out and about and just kind of reach people that aren't SoundCloud heads like some proper OG lads that are just going around to pubs looking for hip hop gigs and they're like jeez who's this fella that's kind of and I, I just want to I want to kind of level it out like balance it out like yeah. tip the scales back in the direction of kind of local support rather than just focus on internet based things and the Cutting Heads birthday is the best opportunity that you'll exactly, have exactly yes to do that yes that's all from this week's episode of Red on Red Cork's new music podcast from redfm.ie thank you very much to Rob Halloran aka Jar Jar Jr for joining us in studio this evening thank you for having me and thank you very much for listening if you like what you're hearing Please take the time to subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, and now Google Podcasts, as well as other podcasting platforms. Please share this on your social media, 
and make sure to check out the artist featured online or an upcoming gig. And if you like more Irish tunes, please be sure to listen into Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of All That Is Irish on Cork's Red FM 104 to 106. Before you leave us, Rob, you've given us a completely unreleased and brand new track. It's not even titled, is it? No. You've got... It's not even mixed. Maybe talk us a little bit through this piece of music, kind of the departure that it represents for you and yes. all this. Um, so I started meeting up with Dave Jasphine in real life, mm. departing from SoundCloud Messenger. And one day we made a track and he said to me, this is very much like Henry Wu. I said, Henry who? And anyway, I started listening to Yusef Kamal and Yusef Days and Henry Wu and all of the people that they are. They're all mad aliases going on. And it's like one foot in the door with like hip hop, jazz. And then it's like, it's like very close to hip hop, but it's not. Yeah. It's clearly jazz, but like, it's like rooted in hip hop. And it's very kind of appealing to me. It's like a kind of a ascension from beat making. Yeah. And it's within grasp, I feel. So that's what myself and Dave Jasphine are working on now at the moment. We're looking at putting out like a joint album together. Yeah. Um, the two of us have been making a lot of music recently and I'm kind of looking at doing the keys and he's looking at doing the drums. And I feel like there's like a lot of potential to kind of transform that into a live setting then as well. But basically, uh, like... I think it's jazz music, even though neither one of us can play an instrument. <laughs> but that's it, you see, man. There's, there, to bring it back to a mainstream reference point, To Pimp a Butterfly was the best jazz album of 2015. Yeah. We'll give them a taster now of what they can expect from upcoming productions. This is a new cut from Jar Jar Jr. Untitled, unreleased and unmixed. This has been Red on Red. And we'll talk to you next week.
Red on Red.